Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad that you've chosen to join us this morning. And we have a special word for you today. I pray that all is well. If not, we ask the Lord that he would uh, touch us. And I pray that today for everybody listening, everybody in this congregation today. I just really appreciate you tuning in. I pray God's got a word for you today. And I believe it is a special word. Uh, one that's touched my heart. And I believe there's deliverance that God is going to bring even in this service today. And those of you who are watching by uh, live stream, uh, we, we're going to need, when I, when I start speaking this word, everybody may, you know, I don't want you to get up and, and leave or anything because it may be exactly for you, okay? I thank you and we just want to ask the Lord to touch us today and to speak to our hearts and I believe he will. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. It's a privilege of coming together corporately and then also those who are watching by live streaming. I pray every person today would be touched by your spirit through the word of God. Word of peace. And no matter what they're going through today, Father, we just ask you that you would calm the storm in their lives. Jesus spoke to the waves and it calmed the storm. And so we just speak today to those things in your life that are just causing turmoil and chaos and just disorientation. And we speak peace in Jesus' name. And Father, today we ask you to do a mighty work of miracles in this place and a mighty work of miracles for those who are watching. That, dear God, today you would touch every heart. And if there be someone in listening or someone here who's never actually just bowed their hearts and said, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you as my Savior and Lord. Today would be the day. And I pray that would come to pass, Father, as you speak, as you touch our hearts and say, Lord, you speak and let me get out of the way. and Let your word, your truth go forth in power. And it's in the precious and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth again. We're going to follow through for a couple more messages also today, though. And today, the title of the message is How to Deal with Bitterness. How to Deal with Bitterness. And I pray that uh, God would just set you free because I think bitterness is a major issue in people's lives and also, I believe, obviously in Christian lives. And so how can we be delivered from uh, bitterness and all? So we're going to look at verses 19 through 22. I'm going to talk about it. Remember Ruth and Orpha went back to Moab. Remember the story last week? And Naomi and Ruth went back to Bethlehem. They're uh, uh, a place where they could again come and they were familiar with and so forth. Uh, of course, Ruth wasn't because Ruth was from Moab. But it was so important that uh, Ruth, remember, clung to Naomi and said, your land is my land and your God is my God. And so obviously... We know we'll see uh, Ruth in heaven one day. Read it with me. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. And the Lord has brought misfortune upon me. And so Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. You remember the story. What happened was that uh, Elimelech and Naomi 
uh, went to Moab. Elimelech was Naomi's husband, if you remember from last week. And it was a, a famine in Bethlehem and that Judah and uh, Judea in that particular area. And so they went down to Moab. Um, uh, Moab was not a uh, God-fearing country. They were a country of idols and a country that did not uh, really join in, in the knowledge of knowing Jehovah God like the Jewish people did. And so they went down there. And while they were in that country, is their two sons were born. And they eventually married the women of that particular country. And in Deuteronomy, God had forbid them from marrying foreign women. And so obviously, why was that? It's because the foreign women would draw them away from their belief in Jehovah God and bring them into idol worship. But while they were there, Elimelech and the two sons died. And uh, Naomi was pretty upset and probably grieved a whole lot as a result of that. And we're going to see here someone that was very bitter as a result of all these things happening. And today, this message is for those who are here that maybe they've got an underlying current of bitterness. Maybe life has not turned out the way that you thought it would. Maybe somehow someone has betrayed you and hurt you deeply. And maybe it hasn't been dealt with. And a, what's called a root of bitterness has uh, formed in your life. And it's something that's just weighing on you and you can't get rid of it. I want to share with you today how to get rid of that. Has anybody here ever really seen or been around someone who's really bitter? Anybody here? I mean, uh, I mean, they're bitter. They're just angry. I mean, life is just negative. It's sarcastic and, and all those things that go along with it. We know it's like, I don't want to be around that person and so, so forth. Or maybe in our own lives. And I don't exclude us at all. Sometimes that we have had things happen in our lives that we can obviously see that possibly bitterness has entered in and we can't we we just can't wonder what is it what's going on why don't I have the little zip in my step like I used to or maybe I don't see life as being something welcoming life and I'm just like hey another drudgery day and all these things because it can happen to any of us listen to this story that I read recently it was a story of a lady who claimed to be a believer and her husband died when they were in their 50s they had been looking forward to retiring in in about six or seven more years. But after he died, she discovered that he had left her in a terrible financial state. He never had been a good money handler, but because he handled all the finances for the family, the extent of his malfeasance only because became more apparent after his death. She became furious with him for leaving. Of course, she, he's dead. For leaving her in a condition that made her have to work later in life and not be able to retire when she had planned. She had years of loans that she had to pay off, uh, obviously, with not, no knowledge of how to do that. He had medical insurance, but there were thousands of dollars not covered by his insurance because he had made a foolish choice in the insurance that he chose. The, this anger at him turned into a seething resentment against him, which in time turned into bitterness, first against him and later against God. And I heard... Obviously, this person said, I heard her say several times, why did God do this to me? It's not fair. Have you ever had that? Have you ever thought about it? Life is not fair. And no, it isn't. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world 
God set up, obviously, for, it, for us to walk perfectly with him. But we know that man sinned in the Garden of Eden. And we know that brought the curse of death upon people. And obviously, the things even today that we experience, the, uh, the breakdown of our bodies and so forth. But how, oh, how God in his omniscience, knowing all, he had a plan in place to send Jesus Christ into the world to restore us to the relationship with our Father. How great a God we serve, amen, like we sang about today. And, and he, 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 he worked it all out to where all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every person who just bows and said, I need you, Lord Jesus, come in. I believe you're the Savior of the world, and I want you as my Lord and Savior. All who will just come and humble themselves, God comes in, and he will restore us in that relationship with him. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden uh, things will get better necessarily in this world, because again, this world is obviously getting worse and worse. We see things happening around us. We see shootings this weekend, the last few days. Uh, all over this country that seem to be just magnified, doesn't it? It just seems to be everybody's just shooting everybody around, you know? But obviously God is saying today, this is not our home, but I've prepared a place for you and it is going to be a, a good place here. So this is a story about Naomi. She obviously had lost a lot, her husband and her two sons. And so when the time came for her to go back into Bethlehem and, and return and return with Ruth, she was not real happy. In fact, she was bitter. And we're going to talk about that today because it's important understanding what that is. And maybe some of you here, maybe listening to this, maybe in a way you think, hey, could bitterness be the reason why I'm not living the abundant life like God wants me to live? To be victorious, in the, 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 obviously not just to survive, but to thrive. To thrive in life. Is this the reason? Is there a root of bitterness today? Because God is there to deliver, to forgive, and to, to, to build back up maybe what that bitterness has torn down. So the first point here is, is that God had allowed some bad things to happen in Naomi's life. Verse 3 talks about it. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left, and her two sons. And then verse 5, and then her two sons died, also both of them, and the woman was left of her whole, uh, both she, her two sons and her husband had passed away. So she didn't have anybody again at that place. So obviously there are a number of reasons I believe that God allows trials in our lives. You got to realize God allows certain trials in our lives. The first reason, obviously, I believe I would call them consequential trials. They're trials I believe that we bring on ourselves because we've made wrong choices. Okay. When you sin and you do something, obviously God says don't do. We know there is a consequence for that. And it could be that Naomi and her husband had obviously, they'd gone down to Moab in a godless society and they had not brought their sons up in the admonition of knowing God and knowing the true, the, what God's word has said. So she was facing the consequences of her sin. But in spite of that, she became bitter. How many of you know that sometimes we bring some real bad things on ourselves? We make wrong choices, don't we? Okay, I don't think anybody sitting here today, and I'm speaking for myself too, have not always made the best choices. We make some bad choices at times, and there are consequences to that. Thank God that Jesus forgives us of those, but there's still consequences to those sins. And so that's why I believe possibly what could have been happening here with Naomi. She had obviously possibly brought this on herself. So there were these consequential trials, but there also there were corrective trials here. Is it God allows 
discipline to correct a sin or wrong habit in our lives. How many of you know that sometimes God corrects us and disciplines us because we know he knows that if we don't, that we may just go all over that cliff. How many of you know that? I know that. Amen. And I know that obviously sometimes he corrects us. Isn't he a good father? Because he does that. He doesn't want to destroy us. He wants us to come and to live the life that we, he knows is best for each and every one of us that he has planned from eternity past. But yet sometimes in those corrective trials, we know that they're pretty difficult, aren't they? They're sometimes they're painful and so forth. But the Bible talks about it here in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as his children, my son? This don't despise there the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son uh, is he whom the father has not disciplined? He's saying basically in that chapter, you can look at it. If you're not disciplined, you're not a son and daughter of God. I'm using sons, but it's both daughters too, male and female. So if you're not disciplined, he actually says and goes so far as saying that you're not actually a son or daughter of God. So be aware, he will discipline you. But I want to point out here, when God disciplines you to correct your course or maybe to have you come under the banner of his word is he gives you grace, which means it's kind of like he gives you the ability to go through it. But what how do we respond to those disciplines? We say, yes, Lord. Whatever you see, because nothing in your life and my life is here because obviously by some strange imagination or some type of, uh, you know, well, this just happened to me. No, God allows certain things in your life and my life, whatever touches your heart and life as a believer, it has to go through God's hands. It has to be allowed by God. Nothing can touch you and me. Without God's permission. Isn't that good news? Now that doesn't mean that I always again make good choices. Because God gives me free will. He gave me free will to actually receive Jesus Christ in my life. I had the choice. I could have said no. I don't want salvation. And I don't want Jesus. And I could have turned away. And so could you. But he obviously allows us to make those decisions. And so he allows us to do these types of things. And so they're corrective trials that take place that are very important in my life and your life. But also here we see their constructive trials here. And that God allows in our lives to make us better people, better Christians, make us more like Jesus. I bet I'd ask you to hear, you want to be more like Jesus? Everybody go, yes, indeed. Well, there can be somehow some constructive trials that will take place. Sometimes they're not always just uh, real easy, right? Sometimes they uh, obviously, they hurt. There's pain and all that goes along with it. But don't you know our good father? You see, God is good all the time. He never changes. So whatever he allows in your life and my life, he allows it for our good. Romans 8, 28, he says he works all things. That all things will work out for our good for those who love him are called according to his purpose. And so everything that he allows. So in those obviously constructive trials, God allows certain things to happen in the, the particular thing. Psalm 119, David is writing. He says, behold, I was afflicted and I went astray. But now I have kept your word. And then in uh, verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn your statutes, that I may learn your ways. 
So David is saying, it's good that I was afflicted. It's good that it happened to me. I don't know whether or not we always say that, do we? It's good that you afflicted me. But if you really think about it and you know the truth because we're listening today and the truth is there are constructive trials. But does God want, obviously, he's not here to destroy us. He's here to build us up and he knows what it will take in your life and my life to be able to make me like Jesus. And sometimes it's painful because I've got all these things. I've got all this luggage that we carry around with us that God is saying, I want to take that luggage from you. I want to set you free. I want you to walk with that freedom and just knowing that I love you and I never change. You see, God left that song. He left the 99 and he went after the one. In reality, you were the nine, You were the one that he left. He left the whole flock of sheep and you had wandered over here and gotten into bad grass and you were over there where predators could kill you. And Jesus left the 99 and went after you and he went after me, you see. That's good news, church. Because he would leave the 99. He'd leave everything and go after me and you. And he'd kick down all the walls. He'd tear down all the lies about you to get at us. He chases us, to be honest with you. Isn't that good news today? And y'all are here today, I believe, because somehow you realize that. That he's chasing you right now. He's chasing me today because he's doing this. You're not here by accident. God is chasing you. And he wants you. To be able to come under his plan and knowing. Because he knows what's best. You know, obviously, hindsight's always twenty twenty, But when you're in the trials, it's sometimes it's difficult, obviously. But hindsight, you look back and you say, man, I could have really been harmed if I had stayed and continued in that path, that journey that I was on. I could have been really hurt bad or maybe killed. If I continued on. But God did something in my life and he changed my course, you see. And that is about those constructive trials that are there, certainly here. But the last one is crowning trials. Sometimes God just allows certain things to bring glory to his name. Remember the story of Lazarus? They went to Jesus because Lazarus was Jesus' friend. Jesus had all the power to be able to heal him. And remember, he waited far off before he went to Lazarus. And the disciples were scratching their head. Why doesn't he go and he can easily speak healing to him? And Lazarus, his friend, would be healed. He didn't understand it. Remember, Jesus waited those days. And then he obviously he went and he raised Lazarus from the dead. And what did Jesus say? Why did he wait? He waited so that obviously he could bring glory and honor to God, his father. You see, God is not a narcissistic God. He's just God and he loves us. And everything he does, he does perfectly. Everything he does, everything in our lives, he does perfectly. Even when we sometimes face consequences to our sin, he can turn it around for our good as we trust in him. You see, there are consequences, yes, but certainly he can turn these around. Naomi was bitter. She was bitter here. We want to look at it in Second Corinthians chapter four. Paul details all the suffering and persecutions that he endured to serve God. And I love the scripture he's, he said here, you know, and I can obviously I know it. And I, I just love it because he says this after all we've gone through. He said, we do not lose heart for outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us a glory that far away outweighs them all. For though we fix our eyes not on those things that are seen, 
but those things that are unseen. Because those things that are seen are temporary. But those things that are unseen are eternal. What's he saying? How many of you know here we're wasting away outwardly? Anybody know that? Okay. We're wasted away, folks. Okay. We're headed. We're headed here. And some people say, well, Jim, I, I know I'm headed south. Don't, you don't have to tell me about it. Okay. But we're wasting away, right? But what's he say? Somehow, spiritually, we're being renewed. Actually, we're becoming stronger and stronger inwardly. And that's the good news, you see. Because you see, this is not our home. We know this old body is getting older and not operating like it used to, no matter how old we are, don't we? We realize that. But one day, you see, when we go to be with Jesus, then we'll get our new bodies and live forever with Him. Amen? Hallelujah! Amen. But right now, we're wasting away. So what's he say? So we keep our eyes not on those things that are seen, because they're temporary, but those things that are unseen. What's he saying? He's saying, focus on the eternal. Focus on those things that are unseen. You see, God is here. By faith, we believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, right? And everything we do in the Christian life is by faith. You step out. You turn the light switch on this morning, and uh, the light came on. How'd that work? By faith. Can you tell me how electricity works and so forth? I know some of you, like Ricky and all of them, are electricians and stuff. They know exactly. I don't know how it works, but I flipped it on and it came on. And you turned the coffee pot on, didn't you? And it worked, obviously. Put the water through there by faith. I just said, when I come back, I'm going to have a pot of coffee here. By faith. And I know these are simple illustrations. But by faith, we get up every morning, don't we? And so by faith, we believe that there's something better out there. We believe that there is eternal life, that this, when we take our last breath, that's not the end. That we go to heaven and we are with Jesus forever. And sometimes, obviously, the devil, he'll come and taunt you with it and saying, oh, you've wasted your time serving this God because, you know, obviously this is happening to you and so forth and all. And you may at times sort of falter and maybe, maybe you may slip and all that. But what happens when you're a Christian? You keep getting back up and saying, no. I'm going to be with Jesus one day. And I'm going to be faithful to Him the best I can. Do I always do it perfectly? No. That's why Jesus came. To forgive me. And to forgive you. But God says don't give up. Keep on, you see. Keep our eyes on those things that are not, uh, not seen. Because they're eternal here. You know? One thing I've always said. Very important. Is that when you're in a church. You're here today. And, and I'm not trying to say this for any type of motive because I do believe it. I believe the church is so important and vital in the family's life. Okay. Now, I know COVID has uh, obviously uh, caused some real issues with that and so forth. But God calls people to get into a corporate assembly, assembly of people coming together to worship together. I pray all of you be encouraged today and you leave this place and your faith will be stored, stirred. And maybe you, you get some answers to prayer today also. And so it's not an accident that you're here, but sometimes people will take another job and they'll move out of a particular area there. And because why? They make a few more cents per dollar or whatever uh, on the wages and they'll leave and, and they'll leave that church when really your spiritual life is most important. And I'm not saying that we don't don't obviously move or not do something to be able to to promote and, and get a better job and better better life in that way. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying somehow the church is not taken in consideration. And see, this is the place where you can be fed the Word of God. Not that I speak at all ways in that, but the Spirit of God speak to you. 
And you can learn and grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's important when we do things, they always have some type of consequence to it. So I believe, obviously, as Ray told us in Sunday school this morning, he says, we need to pray about everything, don't we? And I think that's very biblical. We need to pray about it. Second thing here is note that Naomi developed the wrong view of God's dealings in her life. Verse 13b says, for it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. You see, she was mad that God had taken her husband and taken her two sons. She was just mad. And what was she's a bitter old woman. Okay, been around somebody that's bitter. And, you know, nothing makes them happy. They're negative. They're pessimistic. They can't. Life is just really giving them a bad hand, a bad shake, right? You've seen that before, you see. And they're bitter. They're bitter because life hasn't turned out the way they thought. Or maybe they have an illness that certainly I don't minimize at all. And they've had it for on and on and on and so forth and all. But in some way or another, when we're bitter, what it actually shows is unbelief. Because we don't believe that somehow God allowed that in our lives, you see. It doesn't mean that we won't pray and ask God to heal us. But what it means is, is that obviously we know that we have a God who knows all things. And he will help us no matter what we're going through. And sometimes that discipline is there. And those specific sins in our life and those habits or addictions that are in our lives and they keep popping up and all that. And we think, oh gosh, God is really fed up with me and he's done with me, you see. But God is there to deliver because God knows what we're going through. He knows we're living in a fallen world. The issue is whether or not we'll run to him or run to the world. He left the 99 and he went after the one. You see, that's why we're here today. He does that, you see. And obviously my point being that no matter what the source of Naomi's trials, her anger against God was misplaced. She made, obviously, the, the wrong decisions there, certainly. And so in verse 20, and she said to them, call me, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me here. And so what she mean by this, actually? You see, the Naomi, the name Naomi, which in Hebrew, the names meant a lot. It meant pleasant. But obviously, Mara meant bitter. So she went from pleasant to bitter. What a contrast. And she don't call me Naomi any longer because I'm not pleasant because I'm Mara. I'm bitter. I'm hot and I'm mad. And the same thing can happen with you and me. If we don't deal with these things, you see. And I believe, again, in anybody's life, that root of bitterness can be there. And it can get down deep. And sometimes, you see, in counseling people, that we can go way back in their life. Because the Spirit of God may reveal to them something that happened in their life that they've not dealt with. And, and they go back and they go, oh. And what happened is, it's because you never forgave that person. It's because you never dealt with that particular bitterness and anger down deep in your life. And it's just eating at you. It's just continuing to just gnaw at you. And eventually just eat you up. That bitterness can be devastating. So she was saying, don't call me pleasant anymore. I'm bitter. I'm a bitter old woman. Notice why she was telling everyone to call her bitter here instead of pleasant here. The Almighty's dealt with me. And he's dealt with me severely. And I don't like it. I don't like God's dealings in my life. And what we do is we squirm and we squeal and we so forth. Instead of saying, Lord, 
help me. Give me grace to go through this because there's some things happening here that are really difficult. Give me grace and strength to go through these. Teach me what you want to teach me in this situation. Grow me up. Help me to stop drinking just the milk, but help me to eat the meat of, of the word. Verse 21 says, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home empty. Why then call me Naomi? See, and the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Naomi had developed a deep resentment and bitterness against God. She was questioning God and his wisdom and dealings with her. And it'll get you off course in your relationship with God every time until you deal with it. It never lets up, you see. And God wants you to come to him freely and have that fellowship with him openly. And yet sometimes that stuff just stops you in your tracks because you're bitter, because you've been hurt, because you've been betrayed here. Well, don't judge Naomi too harshly. That might be something we're all dealing with. Maybe or, or some of us are, you know, I, I know I've dealt with that before, you said. There the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Lest a root of bitterness comes in. And that bitterness comes in. If you don't deal with it, it'll get rooted in you down deep and gnawing at you. And you wonder what's going on? Why, can't, why am I feeling this way? It very well could be bitterness. Here, just like a diamond in the rough, a craftsman takes the sharp tools and begins to chip away there at that flint around that diamond. It hurts. He's chipping. He's hitting. And he's hitting it. It's sharp and it hurts. And we're wondering, good gracious, what's going on here? But you see, if you come back to the reality that God loves you and he wants the very best for you and for me, then you'll be able to go through this and you'll be able to come out like a diamond. In the rough, you'll you'll come out, you'll you'll come out shining and bright. You'll come out with with that weight off your shoulders, you see. And then we'll be able to walk with God in that freedom and that fellowship that he desires. The third point here is Naomi's countenance, attitude and behavior changed because of her bitterness. Verse 19. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem and all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? The people were shocked. Naomi didn't even look like herself. You ever seen anybody who's bitter? Their face, their face doesn't look like themselves, do they? You know, just grumpy. They're grumpy. And you say something to them and they just bite back all of a sudden. You ever, anybody? No, I know y'all don't know about that. I do. <laughs> okay. Life hits me. I have talked to a lot of people. And I'm like, good gracious, this person's angry down deep. And maybe the Lord shows something in their lives that they want to, he wants to deal with. And maybe we could pray for you. And we'll pray for you too. After this service, we pray if you have a, a particular thing. It's no condemnation. God just wants to set you free from that, you see. But her face, her countenance looked terrible. They didn't recognize her. Now, she'd been away for a few years, too, so she was older. But it was something about her countenance that didn't look the same. Your countenance needs to reflect, be count bright like Jesus and all. Come in smiling. Anybody come in the church house today smiling? Amen? That's one thing. I don't want somebody out here in the community to see you coming in here with a frown on your face because you're saying, I don't want to go to that church. Amen? Come in here smiling and say, man, I'm, I love being in church today. I got up this morning. I've had two cups of coffee and I'm ready to go. Hey, that's what we want to see, isn't it? Most importantly, is that countenance sometimes can really just show outwardly. And, and doctors talk about that too. It obviously makes a difference physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Why? It's spiritually what it will happen. Your relationship with God. You just, you're not pray. 
You won't do anything because you're bitter. It's something God wants to deal with. You know, I always tell people, I encourage you that, you know, ask God, something you're dealing with here, Lord, would you show me? He'll show you and bring it to him. And the reason why is we don't confess. Jesus will readily forgive us if we'll just confess to him. Why? Because that's humility. And he gives grace to the humble. If we'll just say, Lord, forgive me. I really should not have said that. I shouldn't have hurt that person that way. Or whatever it be. Ask, ask for forgiveness. Very, very important in that. Naomi, just mad. She was going on and all. And she was negative. She was pessimistic. Nothing went right for her. I think, and I'm going to suggest this to you. This may not be, in a sense, biblical. But I want to suggest this to you because I believe this is the case. I don't know about y'all, but the other night when we left here on Wednesday night, it was raining. Okay, I got out here on the, the flyover at NASA Road 1. And I had plenty of room and there was a truck. I could see him coming, but I had plenty of room. I had to pull over because it's a single lane. And so I pulled over, I signaled and pulled over and all that. And the truck ran right up on me. I knew he was mad. He didn't want me to come in there at all. And I had to merge in, but I was way, he was way back there. But he was flying. And I pulled on in there, and uh, he was right on my bumper. I could barely see his, his taillights. And the, it was, the bottom had dropped out of raining. I thought, this guy's going to hit me in the rear end. He's mad. He's mad because I pulled over. You see that today? People are sitting on the edge of their seats today. That's why there's so many road rages and so forth. People, I'll, I'll get out on the highway. And I'm not a slow driver, folks. Cindy can tell you that. But they will fly by me like crazy. And if you're not doing 80 or 85 there, they will obviously ride right on your bumper until they can get by. And then they'll fly by. And I'm going, this, place, this guy's going to wreck here. You know what it is? I believe down deep there's a root of anger and bitterness that maybe in one way or another they are just frustrated with life. They don't like living. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They don't like life at all. People are ready to, obviously, you know, nowadays there's so many things going on. You know, you just want to duck when they go by, you know. But they're angry. Why? They're bitter. Life has not turned out like they would. There are many circumstances today, and I don't minimize those circumstances that many people have gone through under this COVID situation. It's just life is tough today. It's not easy, is it? And so <clears throat> we have to watch out with that. But it could be that, that bitterness and anger are obviously dominative. That fear. You see, people have been made afraid of this COVID. They were scared to death about this. Stay in your house because you stick your head out the door. You're all going to die. I mean, you hear that pounded day in and day out. And what it does is lose a spirit of fear across this land that many, I could argue, could be justified or not justified, certainly here. But he, God didn't give us that spirit of fear. And what does fear manifest in? Anger. When people are afraid. There's anger that will come out. And again, just bitterness. And so people today... And so we have life. And Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. We need to obviously realize that and then walk in that every day. Naomi had developed a negative mindset. She uh, obviously, she didn't realize she had Ruth that was in the lineage to be the kinsman redeemer because we'll study here coming up about her marrying Boaz. And 
being in the lineage of Jesus there. She didn't realize that. She'd been blessed. How many of you in here today know that you've been blessed beyond measure? Can you raise your hand? Amen. We've been blessed. Amen. So, you know, okay, if I say anything negative happened in your life, all of you could raise your hand. Amen. Yes, indeed. Okay. Which one are we going to really lean on? The blessings? Are we going to go back and actually lean on those negative things or things that are going on, whether or not we brought them on ourselves or not? Or maybe whatever it may be. It doesn't make any difference. As God is saying today, you've got to look at life differently than the world does because we've been blessed beyond measure. God has taken care of us. And he supplies so much. And yet so often we get grumbling, don't we? We complain and we just get grumbling and get in a bad mood. Before long, we've slipped in that negative thinking. And everything that's spewed from our mouth is negative and sarcastic. You know, the two go together, don't they? The more negative you are, the more sarcastic you will be. It takes a mental toll on all of us. A medical doctor illustrates the mental, mental consequences of holding resentments with this description. He said, the moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body. And I become fatigued after only a few hours at work. The work I formerly enjoyed is now drudgery. Even vacations cease to give me pleasure. I can't escape his tyrannical grasp of my mind. And when the waiter serves me porterhouse steak, it might as well be stale bread and water. My teeth chew the food and I swallow it. But the man I hate will not permit me to enjoy its taste. If there's hatred in your heart, you'll never do it. Listen to what Solomon wrote here and I'll read it and interpret it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred within. And what this means in the modern day version, better is a meal of vegetables where love is than a T-bone steak where hatred is. That's true. Hatred will eat at you. Bitterness will eat at you. Anger will eat at you and me beyond measure. The fourth thing here is, so how do we deal with this stuff? How do we actually deal with uh, the bitterness so we don't end up like Naomi? How can we do that? I'll suggest some things to you here. If somebody has offended you, intentionally forgive them. Intentionally forgive them. The power of forgiveness is off the charts. When I counsel with people and I say, what about this? Have you forgiven? Uh, yeah, I've forgiven. But, 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 but. I got no buts. You don't know what they've done to me. I said, no, I don't know what they've done to you. But you see, forgiveness is an act of your will. You take the step. And you go, but I don't feel like forgiving. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about forgiveness. You see, Jesus forgave us. Why should we not forgive others? He forgave me, you see. Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 3, 4. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespasses against you, sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he trespasses against, 
against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to you saying, I repent, then forgive him, forgive him. What's that mean? You go, well, I forgave him once. That scripture says, keep on forgiving. You say, yeah, but it says 70 times seven. That's only 490 times. And I've forgiven somebody 490 times. So that's it. No, it doesn't mean that. It actually means forgive right on. Keep on forgiving. You go, are you kidding me? No, it's the word of God. You keep on forgiving. It doesn't mean that what they do, their actions are right. It just means how we don't carry the luggage. You see, that person's not hurting at all. And what's happening to you? You just being eat up on the inside. And they're just enjoying life. But you forgive. Most of the issues in our society today, or a lot of them, I may say, is because of a lack of forgiveness. You go, yeah, but you don't know what they did. No, I don't. I don't know. Could have been really, really, really bad. But if you don't forgive, it's going to be really, really, really tough for you to live a life of joy and peace and a relationship with Jesus the way he desires. You forgive them. You forgive them and you let it go and you move on. And if you have to go when he comes back up again and you have to forgive again, you keep forgiving. The person comes back and says something different, you know, again hurts you. You forgive them over and over again. You see, you've got to always forgive no matter how often someone offends you. It doesn't seem to be fair or just, does it? But in the end, it would be better to repeatedly forgive them than to suffer all the consequences of bitterness and what it causes. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. How many of you, you got forgiven when you came to Jesus, didn't you? You know that because you came to him and you said, I need forgiveness here. And then, did y'all work? walk perfectly after that first forgiveness? Everybody, I mean, everything's hunky-dory after you got forgiven by Jesus. Hey, hey, I, I just, I, man, I'm perfect now. Look at my halo, okay? Everybody get it all right after they came to Jesus? Don't tell me that you have because I know you're not telling the truth. It's a life. How many times does Jesus forgive you and forgive me? On and on and on and on and on indefinitely. He never turns his back on us. Isn't that good news? Because sometimes things that we do, we go, oh gosh, I slipped up again. I messed up again. Run to Jesus. He forgives and he forgives and forgives. And he never brings it up about it. He never brings it back and says, look what you've done. I'm at the end of my rope about you. He doesn't do that. And that's the best news we could ever have. Because why? Because we're just as human. Yes, we've been born again. And we've become a new creation when we accepted Christ. Yes, indeed. But that old fleshly nature in you and me, it doesn't get any better. It gets the same. It's still there. It rears its up the ugly head. You go, where'd that come from when you say something? How'd that pop out of my mouth? I thought I dealt with that. And you keep on. Forgiveness is really powerful. So if you're dealing with bitterness against God here, sometimes things that you want to bear in mind, because sometimes, see, our bitterness is against people, but it just translates into God. This is not fair. 
Life has dealt me the wrong hand. I, I need to get back on the table here. Deal me another hand, Lord, because this one hasn't been so good. So if you're there, maybe you've been there, maybe you know somebody, or just maybe in one way or another, God is speaking to you right now. Remember that if you're facing that great problems and trials as a believer, then you're in good company. We're all going through this, aren't we? That's why we're a family. That's why that we journey together. We pray for one another. We support one another. We don't look down our nose at anybody. We lift one another up, pray for one another, and say, Lord, we could, God's going to help you. The church house is the place. He said they came for the sick, not the well, but those who realize we need help. I do. Do you? The second thing here is, obviously, remember your good people who went through trials. Remember Moses? He suffered from chronic grumbling and opposition from the Israelites. He had, uh, whatever, several million people there trying to lead him out of captivity, which is uh, symbolic of coming out of that captivity from the devil when we accept Jesus. And so Moses lead them. They didn't like this guy. They said, who is this guy, Moses? We don't like him. Remember, Moses kept on. And God said, hey, hold on. These people are grumbling and complaining. I'm going to wipe the whole group out and I'm going to start over again. What did Moses do? He said, no, Lord, I pray for him right now. And he interceded for him. And God withheld his hand from doing that. God wanted to wipe them out. Moses, after being grumbled and complaining and being set free and all that, they complained, complained, complained. And they were negative, negative, negative. What did, what did Moses do? He prayed for them. And God relented from pouring out his wrath. Joseph, remember he was sold into slavery? He'd been given a dream by the Lord about the future, a prophetic dream. And Joseph, our brothers, they didn't like that. They were jealous. Threw him in a pit. He went down to Egypt. And uh, there was a famine in the land, but Egypt had plenty down there. And remember what happened? Joseph was thrown in jail. He was falsely accused there by Pharaoh's wife of, obviously, uh, molestation. He, was, he didn't do that at all. So what did he do? He get thrown in jail. And Joseph kept trying to get out of jail and so forth and all that. And yet God had a plan here for at the right time and the right way. Remember? Joseph was put in second command of the highest position in that land at that time under Pharaoh. He ruled. Remember what happened? Remember his, bro his brothers came up from the country there that he, he'd been in and he recognized them. They didn't recognize him, remember? And they thought after they realized it was his bro their brother that they had tried to kill, Joseph said, no, 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 God, obviously you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph did not turn bitter. He kept trusting in the Lord, you see. Job, he lost everything. But remember what happened? God repaid him with double when he continued. His wife said, curse God and die. Remember? Get out of this mess. Because they were, the family had died. All these things that happened in Job's life. Job said, no. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I'm going to trust the Lord. He's building something in us folks here. Remember, David was surrounded by troubles all of his life. Jesus, remember what happened to Jesus? They didn't like his message. And his message was, I just want you to be with me in eternity. I want you to live forever with me. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go with me. Receive me. Believe on me. Remember? And they rejected him. He said, nope, not going to. 
And yet Jesus still, he still went right straight to Calvary and died on the cross and arose again for the sins of you and for me and all who will believe. He knows what he's doing, folks. He knows exactly what he's doing. Third here is that God is always just and righteous. He always does things perfectly. Always believe in that. Then have faith in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Believe him. When all else fails and you feel like, hey, life is really dealing a, a bad hand to you and there's been one thing after the other. It may be one thing and you can get through it, but when there's one thing after the other, that's when sometimes we're really pressed. And we really had to go back and say, no, God, I know you love me and I know you have not left me and I know that you will never leave me and you will help me through this trial, help me through this testing, help me through this situation I am in my life right now. And I believe, and you may have to verbalize that and speak that out whatever time of, that's appropriate for you, whenever it may be. Tell him all about it. He's never leaving you or forsaking you. But don't get bitter. Don't let it get bitter. I just want to close with this. Has somebody hurt you? Has somebody betrayed you? Betrayal is even a more inflammatory word, isn't it? Betrayed you? Somebody's spoken ill of you? I want to pray for you. Have you forgiven them? Have you actually just said, Lord, I forgive them. I, I don't feel like it right now. I didn't say if you felt like it. Feelings are fickle. And they come and go. If you, as an intent of your will, forgive them, feelings will come later in God's timing. But that first step of obedience, just forgive them. If it's somebody that has hurt you or harmed you. Or maybe you feel like you're not living the abundant life that God would have you to live. And you feel like there's just something there. What is it? I ask the Lord right now, I'm going to pray for you. And I ask the Lord to reveal anything in your hearts and lives that He wants to deal with. And then just bring it to Him. You say, well, all He wants to do is set you free. He just wants you to know that. If you're just angry, if you don't have a an attitude about life that, hey, and I'm just going, hey, I'm just waiting for that train to get on because I got my ticket. His name is Jesus. And I'm ready to get on that train and so forth. Because life holds nothing else for me. Maybe ask the Spirit of God to show you if something has gotten in there, that bitterness and anger, because life has dealt you a wrong hand. And ask God to forgive you and forgive that person. And that you may have just say, Lord, I, I, I've kind of said you are... You did this. I'm sorry. Forgive me. You see, he's just ready. He knows. And he's not condemning us. He's not up there saying, oh boy, you finally said it. Now I'm going to whack you good. Nope. He doesn't do that. He loves us. Think about how much he gave when he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He gave the ultimate. That you and I would know and have eternal life. And be with him forever. He loves us so much. We can't, we can't grasp that. I pray God would reveal his love to you. Because once you have that revelation of his love. It sets you free. 
you're like, hey, I can forgive this person. I don't care what they say about me. But we like, we sometimes worry about what everybody's saying about us, you know, and all that. You know, sometimes I come in here, I'm going, what are they going to say about my new shirt? I like my new shirt. I hope y'all do. If you don't, it's okay. We worry about, the point is, we worry about everything, don't we? Don't worry about it. Do God's will. Just please the Father. Jesus said, only live to please the Father. If you please the Father, who cares what anybody else says? And I'm not saying be rude and nasty or anything. I'm saying it'll make you more like Jesus when you have that attitude, doesn't it? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I right now, if there's any root of bitterness in anyone's heart in this place or anybody watching this live streaming, I right now ask you to reveal it. Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring it to the surface and reveal it. Anybody's betrayed you. Anybody you just, they've rubbed you the wrong way for the last time. Holy Spirit, bring it to mind right now. This is a time to get these things straight. You can bring it. God's here. And He will obviously honor that prayer. Just forgive them. It's an intent. You're hurting. And it doesn't make any difference. You think it's fair or not. No. But life's not fair. And just forgive them. I'll make that decision right now. And then I right now take authority over any spirit that in any way is hampering what God wants to do in every person in this congregation and every person watching by live stream. I take authority over spirits that are trying to bring people down in Jesus' name. And I tell you right now, by the authority that Jesus Christ has given me as His Son, I take authority and I cast it out right now in Jesus' name. Every spirit that is not of the kingdom of God. Every spirit. If you're dealing with today something that you just can't shake, I take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. And I break its control over your life. In Jesus' name. Anything that you feel like you can't be forgiven for. And the devil keeps coming back and telling you, you think you're forgiven? Huh. Jesus didn't forgive you of that. Right now, I'll tell you, by the authority of the Word of God, you are forgiven completely. And I take authority over that spirit that is whispering those things in anybody's ear, ear here watching today. In Jesus' name. And I tell you to be quiet and I cast you out. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I love you. We praise you, Lord. Father, today we pray that we would live and thrive and walk abundantly just as Jesus has called us to. I pray that every person here would have a fresh step 
a new spring in their step. Because things have left, things that have bogged them down. Hatred, maybe some hurt. I pray for healing, Father, in Jesus' name, for people who have been hurt. I pray for healing that for people that have been disappointed with life. Life's just not what they thought it would be. I pray right now and ask you to bring healing, Lord, in Jesus' name. You're the mighty God. There is no other. And we will trust you. We will follow you. And thank you for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Uh, we've got something I'd like to do right now. Thank you. Uh, Y'all join us next week. Be a part. We're glad you're here. Put your faith in Jesus. He's obviously he is good and he wants to do great things, mighty things. He is already. I just pray your eyes will be open to recognize that today. See you next week. Thank you again for joining us. Amen. Thank you.